Hi, everyone. Just before we get going, I want to remind you that everything we talk about and discuss should not be considered as investment advice. The purpose of what we talk about on Catherine Murray Media and Markets on YouTube, as well as Catherine Murray in conversation with on my podcast, should be viewed as informational and entertainment purposes only. Please definitely do your own research, your own homework, and definitely consult an investment professional before making any investment decisions. And also to note, some of us might hold positions in some of the stocks uh, that we discuss. Uh, Mark, great to uh, be able to catch up with you and get some technical perspective on the markets, particularly given every day. Well, not every, not today, that's for sure. Um, but we do see the markets hitting new record highs. That's had a lot of people nervous. There's a lot of reasons to be nervous, um, but uh, but the technicals also kind of sometimes tell maybe the truth or where we will actually end up. So why don't we just start with your perspective from kind of the, the major indices and, and what they're telling us right now? Yeah, it's really interesting. We've seen so much internal rotation in this market in the last few months. It's been a very difficult market to make money in, despite that we all look at the indices as being higher every day. Um, you know, a lot of that has just been dominated by companies like Apple and Microsoft that obviously comprise 12% of the S&P. But when you look at the broader picture, uh, you know, a lot of the equal weighted indices actually peaked out in the month of June. Um, things like the value line geometric average, which is 1700 stocks equal weighted. Uh, nearly half the sector has peaked out between the months of, of March and June of this year. Uh, discretionary uh, materials, communication services, energy. Uh, so th there's been, you know, it's been difficult, I think, for portfolio managers to really um, invest in this market unless you own Microsoft, Apple, Facebook. Uh, you know, for those that are now, you know, fighting and struggling with how to play catch up because they're lacking in performance, it's almost a must to own, you know, what's working um, and avoid really buying the dips because we've seen this sort of musical chairs of, uh, of markets in recent months. So, you know, it, it's tough not to be bullish on the market, but there clearly are some warning signs with regards to some of the breadth and momentum deterioration that we've seen. And so I'm, I'm you know, looking at, uh, you know, potentially today's weakness, that being, you know, Tuesday, the, uh, the 17th of August, as uh, potentially kicking off, you know, the start anyway of, of some type of seasonal weakness that could last through October. Uh, now, it's a must that we see weakness in a lot of the FANG names, these larger cap technology and discretionary names to really have conviction in that. But, you know, the things that I see are important are things like with regards to the U.S. dollar really starting to push up meaningfully. And that started in May. And that's really starting to accelerate. And so I think that could provide a, uh, you know, a difficult time for, for uh, you know, for many companies. And uh, interest rates also have been pretty resilient, you know, and, and, and starting to try to turn back higher of late. And so, you know, the combination of those makes me think it's going to be a tough market for a lot of risk assets, be it, you know, emerging markets, uh, commodities have recently shown a little bit more signs of weakening of late. Uh, and that's interesting and new. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to really know where to go, but the market certainly has had a little bit more of a defensive feel of late. I mean, things like consumer staples have outperformed discretionary and utilities have been, you know, some of the, some of the better acting stocks in the last few weeks. Hmm. And what kind of confirmation are you seeing of those moves into the more defensive areas of the market? Um, is it, uh, you know, volume? What, what kind of indicators are, are you looking at? 
Well, I'm just looking simply at the price action of the sectors themselves and things like utilities hitting new all-time highs and the outperformance in the REIT sector, uh, you know, that are interesting. And, and staples recently, consumer staples has been an area that's been rising, uh, regardless of the fact that the S&P and the NASDAQ have been hitting new highs. So it, it's certainly not something that we often tend to see during big bull markets when the defensive areas start to outperform. Uh, and as you mentioned, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, understandable worries about potentially this being a time of peak inflation, peak growth. The growth is obviously set to potentially slow down next year. Uh, everybody wondering about the sort of the beginning of the end to the tapering of, you know, what's going to happen with, with the Fed and can they really manage this process smoothly without any sort of ripples. And so you, in recognizing that, you've written your, your report for August talking about um, the 10 best positions to have. Um, for August, and it was interesting. Utilities is on the list there, um, but it, but importantly as well, you also do provide some interesting stock opportunities throughout all the different areas that you see opportunities in. So why don't we kind of just go through them as idea generations for people? Wonderful. That sounds fine to me. So you know, a couple of the key areas outside of utilities. Uh, the home builders continue to act very, very well. I love this group. Uh, obviously, we've seen a shortage in, in housing and, and you know, real boom into uh, the entire home building sector with the flight out of the big cities into the suburbs and the movement of commodities of late. And so this sector typically tends to outperform during this time. So I, I do like the home builders as being a great area and one can literally invest throughout many different names. And, and I think that's appealing. Um, just no, some subject, but it's sure. interesting because some of the some of the economic data as of late, well, certainly even today with the retail sales uh, underperforming, but you know also housing uh, disappointing, even companies like a Home Depot disappointing. Right. Did that impact any of the housing related stocks? Well, that's more of a short term situation only. I and mean, we saw shares of Home Depot fall today, but but when you look at, at charts of things like the XHB for home builders or ITB for home construction, I mean they. They certainly still are acting very, very well and really no evidence, in my opinion, of them topping out. So uh, that would be an area I would I would certainly focus on. Okay. And is there any, you know, one or two names uh, within the home builders, like stock specific stories that you really do like? Well, I like uh, DHI, so DH Horton and uh, Lennar, L-E-N. And so those are two of my favorites that, that I like there. Okay. And then outside of home builders, um, so utilities, I don't know if we're going to talk about that or, you know, the one I uh, will get to it, but um, steel, I thought that that was an interesting call as well. Yeah. How are they yeah. looking today? Well, I mean, the, the fact that this group in the last couple of months has pushed to really new multi-year highs, but is still well short of prior peaks that it made, you know, over a decade ago. I think that's really interesting. And this group has shown some real demand. And so, you know, maybe this plays into, you know, it's been resilient even in the face of China showing real deterioration. And so that's interesting to me. It might be part of the, the base metals and commodity play, and maybe that softens a bit. But I, I think the dollar eventually is going to start to roll over, and that could still be supportive of that. Okay. And what names within this steel industry do you like? Well, I think for most investors, it's probably wise to just be diversified and, and buy things like SLX, the steel sector, you know, ETF itself. Uh, but but you could look at Nucor or U.S. Steel. Um, I would particularly avoid some of the smaller cap issues. Small caps have had a very difficult run of late, and I I see just in the action in the last couple of days makes me think that continues. So, one really wants to steer towards the large cap and and really avoid small. 
And is that across the board or is that still specific? It really is across the board. I and mean, we've seen evidence of the Russell 2000, you know, which peaked out in the month of May, uh, really struggling to regain its strength. And, and so you see small caps are one of a number of groups that really peaked out. And I think investors were hoping a lot of these groups could really make comebacks like, you know, the Sox, which is down 2% today, the Dow Jones Transports, um, you know, small caps and, and, and a number of those just have not really rebounded to the extent that makes me comfortable. So that's just an ongoing issue that to have true confidence of this bull market extending throughout the fall with no meaningful disruption, we really need to see these other groups start to, to gain traction and rebound. Okay. Um, and when you see other groups, you, you really do mean though, the, the small cap companies, right? I mean, you want to see them as a bit of an indicator that, that the economy, I mean, if the economy is strong, small cap companies should do well. Uh, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, I, I, I'm sort of questioning, um, you know, where we are in, in the economy. I'm, I'm no economist, but, you know, obviously you see evidence of, uh, you know, some signs of inflationary pressure, but yet you still have eight to 10 million people unemployed. There's a real labor shortage and it's difficult to get people to come back to work. And so I think the back to school time will really, shine a light as to whether, uh, you know, we can see that situation improve. Um, if peak growth is here and, and, you know, earnings and everything go down next year, then that's going to be an even more difficult time, I would imagine, for, for value and really for a small cap. And it might be technology that just continues to outperform and lead in that, in that case. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about technology right now and how the FANG names are looking. What, what's going on there today? Not even today, but recently. Yeah, well, you've seen it's just since last summer, actually, many of the stocks that were involved in multi-year uptrends really started to flatten out. And companies like Apple and, and Facebook, uh, Google, Apple Alphabet, Microsoft. Uh, but lately, they've seen a real resurgence and, and move higher since the month of May. So many of them are, you know, arguably still trading within the upper quartile of the last couple of years ranges and still act very, very well. So many of them have slowed a bit, but they're certainly a lot stronger than many other parts of the market. And so tech remains an area of focus to me until we can see some evidence of that weakening. Um, semiconductors, on the other hand, has been increasingly showing evidence of rolling over. Uh, and I note that the SOX today is really trading at almost exactly the same level as it was almost six months ago. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. You know, the SOX being obviously a leading sector, when you start to see that evidence of deterioration and in leading groups, um, you know, it makes me think that we're seeing a, a slow but sure flattening out of this rally in ways that the S&P and the NASDAQ don't really shine light on. And it's almost mm -hmm. camouflaging the move in the broader markets. Understood. Um, you know, it, it's interesting though, for somebody listening to the conversation um, to understand that even though uh, we're seeing signs of deterioration and or a rollover that you do have ideas within this market maybe just kind of explain how how you reconcile that in other words you know what are these stocks showing from a technical perspective that makes them look okay is it is it money flowing into them is the fact that they've been underperforming is it consolidation like what what is it when you know so that people feel comfortable buying a stock even in the environment that you know we're kind of describing yeah, the one thing I always point to people is they continue to look at signs of resilience just in the stock prices themselves. And that might sound, uh, you know, simplistic, but, but one really wants to continue to own the best names and the best sectors in the market. And so when you start to see outflows 
you know, the immediate, the immediate reaction of some that are fundamentally oriented is that, oh, it's great to go in and buy the dips on the stocks that are starting to move down. And, you know, I've always been taught that's really not, you know, the right way of, of, of going about things. One really wants to always own strength and avoid areas of substantial weakness until they show proper evidence of turning. So many are, are were clamoring to buy into China a couple months ago, and that just obviously has continued lower. That's been a difficult area to invest. So, you know, from a fundamental perspective, many of the tech companies continue to outperform and, and, and show very good signs of earnings and revenue growth. And I think that's, you know, another uh, complement to why one would want to own these. Um, but, you know, healthcare, I would also, on, on a different stand, you know, yeah. standpoint, would say that's also a very, very good area to favor. But, but you know, tech is great, but there are other areas. When I say rolling over, that's really short-term only we haven't even broken July lows. So the market still is very, very strong. It's more just a slowing in some of these sectors. Uh, the key lesson here is keep an eye on sector rotation and uh, you know, make sure that you pay attention to that. Okay. And um, looking at the pharmaceutical companies, it's interesting because so many investors really haven't looked at them for years. Um, they, you know, they were big underperformers, relative underperformers, yeah. um, concerns in terms of drug pricing. Uh, that really weighed on the sector. And then, of course, then COVID um, has really put up actually a positive light on some of these names. And it seems though there's still money really from a from an institutional perspective still flowing into the sector. Uh, what are you seeing from a technical perspective? Well, the pharmaceutical stocks have acted uh, really some of the best of any of the companies within healthcare. And so, you know, I would continue to point people towards those along with the hospital sector. But, you know, Stocks like Pfizer um, have, have certainly benefited with, with the, being a vaccine maker now. And, and that stock now recently just jumped to the highest levels we've seen. Really, it just exceeded its highs from 1999-2000. So going back 20 years, many people know the stock as being a substantial laggard. But you know, companies like Pfizer or Bristol-Myers, these are real wealth generators over time. I mean, these companies came out and like Bristol-Myers, I think in the mid-1920s, and it's been one of the top grossing stocks with an average return of about 13% per annum uh, in the last 90 years. So there are areas where we're now seeing a real surge in pharmaceutical stocks, whereas the biotechs have been uh, a lot more difficult to make money in. One really wants to be a lot more selective in, in biotech. And would you say that there's still a good entry point here for Pfizer and, and Bristol-Myers? or? I include Pfizer on my long-term uh, focus list as a stock I really like. The stock has certainly gotten a bit extended in the short run. So to answer your question, much depends on your time frame for investment. For those traders, uh, buying the stock at 50 might not be attractive. Uh, I would certainly buy it in the mid-40s. For those that are long-term oriented, you know, we've really just seen a breakout to new all-time highs for the first time. In, in many, many, many years for Pfizer. So this is very attractive and one stock that I do have a lot of confidence in as a long-term buy and hold. Hmm, okay. And um, shifting focus here a little bit, financials. I think there's so many investors who, you know, who just buy their financials, hold them and, and, and ride them out. But, you know, they don't always perform that well. I mean, I feel like sometimes people are, are waiting forever for outperformance relative outperformance. Yeah, I think that it's important to really understand what you own within the group and, and really identifying the subsector outperformance, underperformance is really key. So many of the banks, my banks, I mean, um, 
you know, the commercial banks such as Bank of America, Citigroup, JP Morgan, those had underperformed for quite some time up until the last couple of weeks when we saw interest rates jump and the yield curve start to, to move up a little bit. So uh, those are still, though, lagging, uh, you know, the, the true investment banks like the Morgan Stanleys and the Goldman Sachs that have moved to new all-time high territory. And, and those are more attractive technically. And I would argue that a lot of the fintech uh, is still probably the most uh, attractive area within the financial space. And, and things like MasterCard and Visa, uh, following COVID, very few people are using cash anymore. And it makes logical sense to consider you know, a lot of the stocks within that sector of financials. And, and I know I noticed as well that you do, you do like some of the exchanges. Um, talk yeah. us a little bit about that. I feel like th- that's also an area that people... I think we're really hot to trot on back in like 2005, going, going back. Yeah. Uh, what's the latest there? They continue to outperform, and I think they have for, for years. You know, the stocks like NASDAQ, NDAQ, or CME Group, uh, CBOE, as many of these exchanges have started to reopen and allow uh, traders and specialists back in, even with masks. Uh, I think that is, uh, you know, an interesting area, uh, certainly one that, that as a technician, I look to as, as wanting to be involved with. And when we take a look at energy, and that's clearly been a huge performer this year, surprised a lot of people just given the uh, anti-energy outlook for that so many people have. Um, but, you know, there's also, of course, on the fundamental front, we're, of course, I'm technicals here, but on the fundamental front, um, supply has been, you know, constrained for so many years now with the lack of building of pipelines and production facilities, et cetera. So that certainly has benefited the group. What are you seeing though from a technical perspective? Well, technically energy has actually underperformed over the last few months. And that's what's interesting is that the group uh, peaked out in the month of June, about a full month ahead of WTI and Brent crude, which peaked out in early July. And so we have seen a little bit of underperformance in that group. I would argue that we're in the final stages of, of a pullback in energy that started a couple months ago, and that should be complete probably in September, October. And this group is still attractive uh, for me to buy into and think it moves higher. Uh, I think WTI crew likely gets up towards $80, hmm. which means this little consolidation is, is likely uh, right to, to, to take a look at energy. But you know, that being said, energy will enter a, uh, you know, a seasonal time of weakness, which usually starts in the late fall and extends through the winter time. Uh, but energy, I think, is, is one of those you know, sectors which uh, tremendous outperformance on a year-to-date basis and like the last 24 months, but that really the, the last couple months have been more difficult for many people to make money in. So uh, important to be selective there as to what to own. Uh, mm-hmm. Stocks like Goodrich, you know, Petroleum, uh, you know, I think Devon Energy uh, stand out to me as, as ones to, to really look at, uh, Marathon Petroleum. And Mark, what makes you believe um, that WTI hits 80? A lot of that's just based on uh, Elliott wave structure and and the shape of the correction that happened technically since we started to pull back from July. And and that now seems to be, uh, you know, in the final stages of of playing out. So, you know, my thinking is it's going to be right to revisit this. And, uh, but as with everything, you know, it's right to, keep on top of trends and, and wait for that rotation. Don't be too aggressive because, you know, uh, today we're, we're certainly still underperforming and crudes down. And if, if, WTI, if WTI crude breaks 65, then arguably it could go to 62 to 61 first before it goes to 80. So yes, you know, depending on your time frame and risk tolerance, uh, it will be proper to, to be selective on what to own. Okay. And um, when we think about the commodity complex and the U.S. dollar, which you, I believe, said you think will decline? 
Where does that leave you on the Canadian dollar? Yeah, the dollar, I think, is going to uh, gradually peak out sometime between October and December of this year and turn down. And that's based on longer term eight year cycles that I look at that, that uh, call for a decline into 2023, 2024. So that means, you know, potentially that the U.S. weakness, the economic uh, attempts at rebounding might be premature. We might start to turn down. For now, the U.S. looks very, very good. Uh, and the dollar, I think, goes to probably 94 to 95. So that means that the majority of currencies against the dollar, you know, likely just based on my analysis of DXY and looking at the euro and looking at pound sterling. I, I don't study the Canadian dollar as much, but I'm happy to yeah. revisit that in future recordings just so I'm accurate on levels and what I'm looking at. But, you know, I right. think that between the next four to six weeks, you ought to see a pretty decent move higher in the dollar. And then I think that likely stalls out and we start to turn down. Okay. Um, and, and seeing with commodities, there are some select commodities that you like, such as cotton, sugar, nat gas. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of the softs I, uh, really still look very, very attractive to me. And, um, you know, the precious metals have been a very difficult trade. They peaked out last August and, and a lot of people are clamoring as to, you know, why isn't gold and silver? Why aren't they moving? We're in a seasonally bullish time for these metals. But, you know, when you have action like we're seeing with the, the U.S. dollar turning up and uh, rates also starting to show evidence of bottoming. Uh, so I think we are going to see a treasury sell off and rates move up a little bit. Uh, that's going to prove to be a, a very big headwind, I think, for the precious metals over the next month. So, you know, I would hold off of being too aggressive in the precious metals uh, and really steer towards, you know, the, the ags or, as I mentioned, crude oil looks to be close. Uh, nat gas still acts very, very well, uh, despite the last few days. So those are areas to take a look at. Okay. And Mark, just to wrap it up here, you know, when we think about uh, geographic diversification, um, it's amazing how, how different people have such different views, but, um, but what, what do you think versus uh, emerging versus developed markets at this point? Uh, I favor developed markets 100% over the next two months. I, I think the dollar moving higher is still going to cause some severe underperformance in many, in many emerging markets. Uh, we've seen that already in China. Um, we've seen it in the LATAM space with, with Mexico and Brazil starting to show evidence of weakening. Um, so that makes it a little more difficult. And I think as we get into the fall, after the dollar has already pushed up, it might be time to revisit that. And I think with regards to China in particular, there's certainly blood in the streets with regards to China. I mean, nobody wants to own it because of a lot of the understandable reasons as to not really knowing what you're owning you know, of these companies or you know, are they holding companies or they legitimate companies? Uh, uh, you know, Gensler from the US, the SEC expressed those same concerns about, about China. And if, you know, we are entering a, you know, some type of a, a cold war where we're gonna obviously take steps against China, then that's probably gonna make it more difficult to think that we rebound there. But, but really a lot of these stocks are very, very oversold now and, and they, mm -hmm. You know, seem like legitimate companies, Alibaba, Tencent, that are that are doing a lot of things that the U.S. companies are not in, in doing. So those eventually, I think, should be areas to take a look at in, in the weeks to come. Okay. All right. Mark, we will leave it there. It was great to catch up with you and get your technical perspective. As Thank always. you, Catherine. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Yeah, great having me. And Thank nice you. to chat again. And let's catch up soon. Absolutely. That's amazing. Thank you.